You are a jewel of Samhain, O Kripalji. You are the owner of the whole world. We have come to your court. Fill up the empty jolly. Some of the bhajans are so beautiful. Really melt the heart. Well, I want to concentrate on or think about this weekend, actually, the, the way the last two lines of the bhajan went. The whole world is false. Only the relationship between you and me is real. It's the relationship between the master and the disciple that counts. With the path, you know, it's easy to... We could think of the path in all sorts of different ways. We could think of it as a religion and relate to it as a fundamentalist. We have that option. Uh, we can relate to it as the kind of Christian who goes to church on Christmas and Easter. We have that option too. There are all kinds of ways we can relate to the path, but the way that matters, the way that counts, is to understand how much love the Master has for each one of us. I have often said, and it's been quoted in other places too, when I w went to India in 1969, and, which was my second trip to India, and I met with Master Kripal, one of the first things he said to me was, do those people over there have any idea how much love I have for them? And I didn't say him anything. And he said, if they knew how much love I have for them, they'd be dancing in the streets. And that is a fact. The Master loves us and he doesn't love us because we are perfect people or we're so good, or we have earned it, or anything like that. He loves us because we exist. And that is the fundamental fact of the universe. When Rabia said, the core of the universe is love, this is what she meant. In the epistle, the first epistle of John, where it says, God is love, this is what he means. God loves us by virtue of the fact that we exist, which means that we are his children. And there is no way that he is not going to love any one of his children, no matter how bad we are. I want to read a couple of stories, at least one story, maybe a couple, from The Rescue, a book which a year ago when I was here still existed only in manuscript form as an idea that might someday be published, but now it is here, it exists, it's real. It's actually a book, you can hold it in your hand, which is considering the fact that Sanchi gave these talks 30 years ago or thereabouts um, is quite remarkable. It's an example of how he gets his work done despite our best efforts. Anyway, uh, this is what in my opinion is the core chapter of the book called The Rescue. 
And I have read this here before, and I've read it a lot of other places because it happens to be one of my favorite writings of the masters ever. He says, an addict loves an addict, a gambler loves another gambler, a drunkard loves another drunkard. In the same way, those who do the devotion of Nam love those who also do the devotion. You have read a lot in Sant Bani magazine about how God came here to this place, which is the underground room uh, at the 16 PS ashram, um, which is where he was giving this, this particular talk was given uh, at the underground room. How God came here to this place, a God who had a body, who was speaking and functioning like other human beings, how he came down to this place himself and quenched the thirst of this poor soul. People of all religions, whether they are Hindus, Sikhs, Muslims, or Christians, know and believe that liberation is only in the name or Nam. But they do not know what Nam really means, what Nam really is. They do not even know where we can get Nam. In order to become successful in this human birth, in order to become connected with that Nam, which is the cause of liberation, we need two things which are very important. The first and most important thing is meeting the perfect master. The devotion and faith of the disciple also play a very important role in making one successful on this path. Just as in the world, in order to become successful, we need skill, competence, sufficient wealth, and things like that. In the same way, on this path of the masters, a disciple needs to work very hard and have faith in and devotion for the master. One does not need to leave his home and his belongings. One does not need to leave his family and go outside into the wilderness in order to become successful on this path. Nor do the saints make us attached to any particular kind of outer appearance. While living in our home and tending to our worldly responsibilities, we can easily do the devotion of Nam. We people work wholeheartedly in our worldly careers, and we always give that work prime importance. Even though we may be tired, we always want to do our worldly work, and we enjoy doing worldly things. But when it comes to doing spiritual work, our devotion to the Nam, we become lazy. We put our spiritual work in second or third place and give first place to the worldly work. Nor do we stop ourselves from indulging in worldly pleasures. We say that it is natural for us to feel all that. It's a natural act and we should get involved in it. So we neither stop ourselves from indulging in worldly pleasures nor do we put much attention or wholeheartedness into doing our spiritual work. So even though we may be on the path all our life long, because of our lack of devotion, our not putting our whole heart 
to doing the devotion, we remain shaky on the path of the masters. Master Kripal Singh Ji used to say that you should not give food to your body until you have given food to your soul. He used to say that the food of our soul is meditation. He also used to say, no doubt truth is above all, but higher still is true living. A brief hymn regarding King Janak is presented to you. King Janak was a very reputable king in India. And along with his being a king and doing his work as a king, he was also a great meditator, a perfect saint. Even great rishis like the sons of Vedvyas had gone to him and had taken him as their master. He attended to all his responsibilities as a king, but at the same time he also did his devotion. Kabir says, just as a camel cannot climb a castle and a ball cannot stay on a camel's back, that one can do the devotion of God while being a king, how can it be believed? Earlier I have told how King Janak did his meditation. Many masters have said a lot about the way he became perfect in his meditation. At his end time, when he left this world, the Lord of Judgment himself came down to take him as Dharma personified. And as he was being taken by the Lord of Judgment to the higher planes, on the way he heard screams and cries. So King Janak asked the Lord of Judgment, what is all the screaming and crying that is going on? The Lord of Judgment replied, these are the screams and cries of those souls who, when given the human birth, did not utilize it for the purpose for which it was given to them. They did all kinds of bad deeds. Now they are being punished in the hells. They are screaming and crying because they are getting punishment from the angels of death. Now you know that those who do the devotion of Nam become very compassionate and have a lot of mercy and grace for others. Whenever they hear the cries or screams of the people, their hearts melt. So King Janak's heart melted and he felt very compassionate towards them. He said, why don't you release them all from the punishment of hell? The Lord of Judgment replied, I am a child of the indestructible being, almighty God, and I am under orders only to do judgment. It is not in my capacity to release them. I have to give them punishment for the bad deeds they have done. I cannot release them on my own. So then King Janak offered, well, whatever you want me to pay for them, I am ready to pay. But you should release them, because I don't want them to go through all that punishment. So King Janak offered his meditations. He placed on one side of the balance a little bit of the nam that he had meditated on. And on the other side of the balance, he placed all the souls who were in hell. But still the side of the balance where the nam was placed was heavier. So it is said that just by giving a little bit of the fruit of the meditation of King Janak, he was able to release all the souls from hell. 
Those who do the devotion of Nam get so much power and so much grace that even if just one person does the meditation of Nam, he can release millions of screaming and suffering souls from hell. Master Kripal used to say, what a man has done, a man can do. It is not that only King Janak could do the meditation and we cannot do it. He used to say that we have also been given the same Nam, we have been connected with the same Nam, and we also can do the meditation of Nam just as King Janak did. Kabir Sahib said, if we can maintain the devotion all our life, which we had for the Master on the day we met him, if we go on doing our devotion like that, then what is the question of getting our own liberation? We can liberate a million others as well. Because you know that when we go to the Master on the first day, we have a lot of devotion and faith in him. So if after receiving initiation, we can maintain that faith and devotion and go on doing the meditation as instructed by the Master, we can not only liberate our own selves, but we can also become a means of the liberation of millions of other suffering souls. King Janak was the foremost devotee. He was a gurumukh who remained sad even though he had so much wealth. Bhai Gurdasji says that the foremost devotee was King Janak. Even though God Almighty gave him a lot of maya, worldly wealth, still it did not make him happy because he knew that he had to go back to his real home. King Janak set off for the divine worlds. On his way, he saw the angels and spirits living in happiness. When he went to Jampuri, the plain of the Lord of Judgment, he heard the screaming voices of the resident souls of hell. Now he says that when the Lord of Judgment came along with other gods and goddesses to take him, and he was being taken back to the real home along with gods and goddesses. On his way, he heard the cries and screams coming from hell. In order to rescue them from those sufferings, he went to hell. He stayed there. King Janak told the Lord of Judgment to release all of them. The Lord of Judgment begged and said, I am a servant of the indestructible Lord. He told the Lord of Judgment, why don't you release them? Why are you giving them so much pain? So the Lord of Judgment replied, I am just a servant, a savadar of that indestructible being, and I cannot do anything else. King Janak placed his nam on the scale and paid off all the sins. The sins were too much for them but even a small amount of his nam was more than was needed, as the nam of the Gurumukh is beyond any measure. Bhai Gurdas says that King Janak told the Lord of Judgment, I am giving you a little bit of nam, and you can weigh it like you weigh ornaments. So it is said that when he weighed that little bit of nam, it was still heavier than the numerous sins of the souls who were crying. 
All the souls and beings were liberated from hell and the noose of Yama was cut from their necks. The liberation and the practice to achieve it are slaves of the one who meditates on Nam. There is so much power in the Nam of the Guramuks that it broke all the chains with which the Lord of Judgment had tied up all the souls in hell. They were all broken by the power of the Nam of the Guramuk. So that is why Bhai Gurdas says that liberation lies only in the meditation of the Nam. And the note says this talk was given at the underground room, Sant Bani Ashram, village 16 PS, Rajasthan, India, on April 1st, 1989. So 20 years, not 30, but whatever, a long time anyway. Uh, this talk and the idea expressed in it, which is also found elsewhere, of course, many of the stories that the masters tell reflect the same basic principle. Uh, Sanchi tells the same story in much less detail in The Jewel of Happiness. Only there he mentions that uh, it was two and a half minutes worth of Simran that by, uh, King Janak way gave to the Lord of Judgment, which sufficed to release all the souls from hell. And I, I think this story shines a brilliant light on both the structure of the universe and also the way in which um, the reality of the path, of what we call the path, is manifested. Okay, it is obvious hell is there. All right. Anyone who spends any time living in this world is bound to believe in hell on some degree because to a very great extent, hell exists in this world also. Suffering is a very real thing. We've all gone through it. Some of us will go through it more than others. And we all know people who have suffered infinitely more than we have probably. But it is a huge thing, and it is a real fact. And we know that the structure of the universe, as the masters describe it, the fallen universe, the three worlds, physical, astral, and causal planes, the worlds where karma holds firm, okay, where the law of karma is what determines things, in those worlds, which is where we live, Everything is counted. It's like there is no slack. We do something, we have to pay for it, good or bad. And because uh, of the way that these worlds are constructed, the temptation or the, the ease with which we do bad things is uh, very much all-pervading. It is very easy to mess up. One of the Sufi saints said, Oh God, you have put us on a piece, a shingle in the middle of the ocean and commanded us not to get wet. And really that's the way it seems. Okay, fair enough. That is indeed how it seems. But the fact is that from that point of view, and here Sawan Singh talks about um, 
you know, the point of view of the person looking up um, is the way it seems to us. But from the point of view of the um, universe as a whole, from God looking down, His love pervades everything. And once we become aware of it, it's like all reality is shown by or bathed in, illuminated by his love. And this is what this story is talking about. It's like hell is there, the Lord of Judgment, which is who we call Kal or Dharamrai, exists. Uh, his function is to implement karma, to make it happen. Not that he, in the mystery of death, Master Kripal explains that actually he says he does nothing because uh, everything that uh, is decreed is already there in the nature of the reality of the person's being who comes in front of him. It's not a question of personal judgment on the part of the Lord of Judgment. It's the judgment already exists within um, the individual's being. And in the third chapter of the Gospel of John, uh, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he actually says something like that. Um, I can't recall it by direct memory, but the idea is that we carry our own judgment with us. The judgment consists in this, that we cannot appreciate what is in front of us. And so we people are in that position. But the fact remains that despite all that, despite the fallenness of the lower worlds, despite the obvious existence of suffering and pain that is all around us, despite all that, there is what has been called a divine invasion. And the God of love, the God who cares, the God whose children we are, the God in whose image we are made, male and female, that God does not forget us. And he comes down for the purpose of saving us and taking us up. And this is what he wants to do. This is his aim. And this is why, people, it is extremely important how we think of the Master. It is easy, I mentioned earlier, that we can approach the path in many different ways. And I have observed that a lot of people do tend to set up the Master as the Lord of Judgment. And uh, they see the path as a very restrictive and very oppressive kind of um, system where if you do something wrong, you are judged. It is extremely important to get beyond that particular outlook because the Master is not a Lord of Judgment. Kyle is the Lord of Judgment. The Master is the Lord of Love. <coughs> Baba Sawan Singh used to say, and Kripal often quoted him, and so did Sanchi, as saying this, where there is love, there is no law. Where there is love, there is no law. This is, you could say, the story of King Janak reduced down to the fewest possible words. Where there is love, there is no law. In other words, forgiveness reigns. No matter what we have done, no matter 
how much ashamed of ourselves we are or how bad we think we are. And we may be bad. I mean, there are really bad things in the world and people do bad things to each other. And it's um, unfortunate that that is the case. But that doesn't alter the fact. We may do bad things to others. Others may do bad things to us. But we and the others are also all made in the image of God. And God loves us regardless of what we have done. And the path is not a path of rewarding, even though it's important that we do our best, that we work hard, as Sanchi said, that we have faith and devotion in the Master and all like that. That's extremely important, but it's not because uh, in doing so we become virtuous and are rewarded. It's because in doing those things we open the gates for grace and mercy within our own lives and are able to participate in and receive that which the God of love wants to give us. And that's the key. You know, this is the thing, to remember how much love the Master has for us. Remember, King Janak didn't know those people in hell were not his initiates. If they had been, they wouldn't have been there. They had no connection to him except that they were human beings. And that's the point. You know, our, con our existence means that we are children of God. And the Father loves his children. And he will not abandon us. In uh, the Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, there are three stories which Jesus tells, one after the other. Uh, one is the story of the lost sheep. There were 99 sheep that a farmer had. He actually had 100, but 99 were safe in the fold and one had gone off. And the farmer went after that one sheep that had gone off and he did not rest until he had found it and brought it back. Even though he had 99, and from an economic businessman's point of view, uh, 99 sheep certainly are worth more than the one. God knows what he had to go through to get it. Uh, that didn't bother him. He wanted that one that he had lost. And similarly, the woman who had lost a coin, she had 10 coins, she lost one, and she spent, she spared no effort, she hunted through her whole house until she had found it. And then the third story, the lost son, the prodigal, as we call him, uh, which I will actually read in um, Master Kripal's words, because he used to tell this story quite a lot. He says, I'm reading from The Coming Spiritual Revolution, the talk called This World Is Not Your Home. So what have you learned today? This world is not your home. Have you learned it? Try to bring home this question. This world is not your home. You have to go. When? That you don't know. But the time is fixed. So if we don't know what time is fixed for the examination, we should be ready every moment. That's right. We should have foresight. We have it, you see. We have discrimination. 
we should make the best use of them. Masters don't care what label you are carrying. They see you are man, conscious entities. You reside in the human body and he also resides there. He loves you all. But he says, all right, how long will you continue to be just wandering away from your home? You know the parable given by Christ? Masters sometimes give parables, sometimes straight talks. This is a straight talk being given to you. If you would like a parable, let us go to this one Christ gave. He says that a man had some sons. He was a very rich man. One son was very naughty. He said, Father, give me my portion of the wealth. I am your son. Give me. His father said, all right, you have it. He gave it to him. This is the beauty, whatever his share was. He went away, enjoyed, spent all that he had in frivolous enjoyment. The result was that he had nothing left, no food to eat or clothes to wear. He was in very much trouble, agony. What to do now? There's no hope. Then one night he said, my father has so many servants in his home, let me go there. At least if he hires me, I'll get something to eat. He turned his way back to his father. So his father came to know that his son had come. He was overjoyed. When the lost son is found, will not the father rejoice? He said, all right, bring him in, give him a bath, give him good clothes to wear. He began festivities in the house. The other son said, Father, we have been so obedient to you, you never were overjoyed so much. Here you have this son who has spoiled all your wealth and you are rejoicing. The father said, he has returned. He has come back. So God also, you see, rejoices when you come back to him. Therefore, he sends from time to time his messengers to bring you home. And that is the, the structure of the universe, basically, is that these messengers, that is to say the invasion of the love, William Blake, who understood these things very well, said, eternity is in love with the productions of time. And this is what is meant. Eternity, that is the portion of the universe that is unfallen, that is outside of time, that exists always in the present moment, which is dominated where love rules, what is called, Christ called the kingdom of God, and the masters call Sachkhand, and above. That part of the universe, personified as Satnam or Satpurush, that part of the universe is in love with the other part, the part that has fallen, the part that is suffering, the part that has to pay for everything it does because it constantly does things that are punishable in terms of the law of karma. But the God of love does not care. He continues to love no matter what vagaries or what ups and downs or what things that someone goes through because of their karma, he loves them. 
and he gives us what we need in order to bring us back home. And he does that to everybody he comes in contact with or everybody he has, to any degree, he has any kind of touching at all, regardless of whether, how they respond, how they react, whether or not they respect or appreciate what they're being given. He still gives us what we need and eventually we will make use of it and we will come back to him. And he knows that. And this is what he comes for. Sanchi has said the master is someone who comes down to love. His purpose is to love. Elsewhere he has said many times in many different places, including a number of bhajans where it has been very explicitly stated, the master is the forgiver. This is his business. We used to, I used to, in my very young days, before initiation, uh, I used to frequent an establishment in the city of Boston, which was uh, where a, a rock group, uh, Shotgun Kelly and his combo, it was a six, I think a six-member band, uh, used to play. And I liked, they played very rough 50s-type rock and roll. And I loved that. And they concluded every set by singing, that's why we are here, rockin' is our business. <laughs> and my friends and I used to, we used to comment on that, that this is something very profound about that. And I would say, the master can say, that's why I am here, loving is my business, or forgiving is my business. That's why the masters come. And, you know, whether or not, it is like, it's a great mistake, for example, to think that seva, the ability or the position of doing seva is something that is given as a reward because a person is perfect or is very, very good. Seva is given to people because they need it. And uh, some, that's why sometimes people who are sevadars mess up you know, it happens because they have not been given that because they never will mess up. They have been given that precisely because they do mess up and they need what is there being given in order to rise above it. So it's, we, you know, everything the Master does, everything he does in connection with us, every question he answers, every, the slightest bit of connection that he has with us has to do with um, the fact that he wants to bring us back and he will bring us back. He must bring us back. That is his business. And uh, we will go back, all of us, initiated or not, whether we are good satsangis or not, whether we practice or not, sooner or later we will do what we must do in order to take advantage of what he has given us and so we can go home. So thank God for the masters, I would say. Thank God for the understanding of the universe that allows us to recognize that this is what is happening because uh, it really is extraordinarily beautiful.
And we are very fortunate to have been shown something of it, to whatever degree we have been. So, God bless us all.